0: As well, settle yourself on down. The word is like a good movie. If you get your imagination going, it's like a good movie, and it'll change your life. I'm gonna remind you of this because it's been a while since some of you have heard it. You don't go to church without your sword, it's like going to biology without your book. What's gonna happen? You gonna fail. You don't go to church without your word because every promise that God will ever be will ever make to you is contained in the word. So you've got to properly handle the word with the reverence that it deserves. But here's the thing that you need to understand. Say all of my problems are answered through the word. People spend all their day trying to find a solution to the problem. And you got a Bible right in front of you and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you to tell you anything. The Bible says he will lead you into all truth. So whatever you need to know for your life, he'll teach it to you. But you have to humble yourself enough to realize that you don't know it all. And most of the people you think knew so much, the economy has proven that they didn't know near as much as they thought they did. They're doing this through trial and errors. Doctors practice medicine. Lawyers practice the law. Only Yahweh has already seen this thing from the end to the beginning and already knows what your outcome is supposed to be. And in case you didn't know, your outcome is supposed to be victory. But you have got to grab hold of the word of God. Job said this. He said, I desire the word more than my necessary food. You got to get to the fact that you nobody can do it for you. You have got to train and discipline yourself to love the word more than anything else. You like jokes, you got to love the word more than you like jokes. You like gray's anatomy, you better love the word more than you love gray's anatomy. Cuz when you get through watching Dr. McDreamy, your life ain't changed. And you ain't with him. You gotta learn how to embrace the word of God because it has the power to change your life. Now let's go to Psalm 62. Say, I'm ready for the word. word. Say, I can't live without the word. word. You can exist without the word, but you can't live without the word. You can breathe without the word, but you'll never have the joy of the Lord without the word. And so we've got to have a right attitude toward the word. Psalm 62. Psalm 62, verse 1, I'm going to read out a New Living Translation. It says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Glory to God. He says so many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I am just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation and my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, people, trust in him in all times. Pour out your heart to him. He is your refuge. In the King James, it says, My expectation is from God. I'm waiting on God because I'm expecting him to do something. I am waiting on God because I am expecting him to bring me victory. It's not a passive wait. It's not a let me lay down and go to sleep or dumb out by watching TV. It is a I stare myself up, going over, rehearsing his promises to me because I am expecting him to bring what he said to me to pass. Hallelujah. The word expectation, it means to be in an expected, to have an expected mental attitude. It means the state of expecting. Well, anybody has ever seen a woman who has a baby, what's one of the things, who's pregnant with a baby, what's one of the things that you say about her? She's expecting. What is she expecting? She is expecting that the seed that is in her will produce the fruit of a baby. So it says that your expectation, you should be expecting that the seed of the word will always produce the fruit it promises. Tell your neighbor, say, the seed of the word will always produce the fruit that it promised. In the same way that if you plant an orange seed in the ground, what are you going to get? You're going to get an orange tree. I don't care how long you shower over that tree, it's going to still be orange. It's not going to produce pineapples because that's what the seed is. So whatever seed of God you put on the inside of you, it will produce the fruit that it promised. That's why when you go in to get something, if you've ever tried to plant some tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever it is, it puts a picture on the front of it. Why does it put a picture on the front of it? So you will know what to expect. Why do women get ultrasounds? So they will know what to expect. He said this word reveals to you what you can expect God to do. He says, and the person who is expecting from God will receive victory, will receive salvation, and will receive deliverance. Hallelujah. Let's go to Proverbs 23. When David went off to help the king that had covered him while Saul was trying to kill him, he left Ziglag and took all the soldiers. When he came back to Ziglag, he found out that he had been attacked and that they had taken everything that belonged to him. And all the people around him, all the soldiers, they began to cry and they began to weep and they began to say, let's stone David because if David had not taken us away, we would have been here to protect our family. He said, but David got by himself and what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He, He didn't encourage himself in himself. He didn't go, I'm great, I got swag, I can handle this. He said, no, I serve the God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion, who delivered me from the mouth of the bear, and who helped me to kill Goliath. This same God is the God that will help me pursue my enemy and overtake him. And then after he had encouraged himself in the Lord, then he said to the Lord, now what you want me to do? Because there's no point in going to the Lord asking him what he wants you to do if you're not fully persuaded that whatever he tells you is going to work. So Proverbs 23, I'm going to read in New Living Translation again, verse 17 and 18. Actually, I'm reading in King James, Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. He says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. That word end there actually means there's a reward. He says, now walk with the Lord. He says, and fear the Lord. Don't have, you don't have time to envy sinners. He says, walk with the Lord and understand that your expectations shall not be cut off. What does that mean? It means that if you keep walking with the Lord, you will get exactly what he promised. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Hallelujah. Flip on over one chapter, um, chapter 24, verse 13 and 14. It says, my son, eat thou honey because it is good. And as the honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. And when thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward and thy expectation shall not be cut off. He said, but he reveals a little bit more in Proverbs 24 because what he says in Proverbs 24, he says that just like honey is sweet to the taste. Anybody ever had any honey? Is it sweet to the taste? He says, so shall the word be when you find it. He says, and if you find it and you hold on to it, then your expectation will not be cut off. Somebody ought to be getting excited because you've been standing on a word. That's what all salvation is about. You ain't been to heaven yet, but you found the word that said if you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, that you would be forgiven and reconciled back to the Father, and that you would spend eternity with him. You ain't been yet, but you got an expectation that you're going, and your expectations should not be cut off. Hallelujah. Go to Micah 7 and 7. Glory to God. Shall I, I love the word. Proverbs says over and over again, it says, search after the word and consider it to be more valuable than silver and gold. Why? Because the man who has the word can get silver and gold. But the man who has silver and gold can't get the word. You can't silver and gold is not an even exchange for the word. But the word is a proper exchange method for whatever it is that you need. Hallelujah. Micah seven and seven, you found it. Amen. Say we flip into so many scriptures. That's what you ought to be doing when you're at home. Flip into so many scriptures. Micah 77, it said, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. He says, Don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. That ought to be what you're saying. Your expectation ought to be when it doesn't work out exactly the way you thought it would be. Hold on. Don't get it twisted. Just because I fell, I will rise again. Why? Because my expectation is in the Lord. In Him only will I trust. Hallelujah. Say, I am expecting the Lord to fulfill His word to me. But you gotta know what His word is to know what you can expect. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. In, in the, in the King James in Micah, He says, therefore I will look to the Lord. Now, we know according to John, he says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he says that when I am looking to the Lord, what am I actually looking to? I'm looking at his word. He says, I will look to the word to know what I can expect. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to look to the word to know what to expect. Hallelujah. Let's go to James 1 and 25. Turn it to your neighbor. Say, I love, I love the word. And everybody in here loves the word. That's our faith statement. I love the word and everybody in here loves the word. Even if you don't think you love the word right now, there is something working on the inside of you that will cause you to love the word. James 1, 25. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. Everybody got James 1 and 25? He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for your doing. What is he telling you to look into? He says, if you look into the word, the word that sets you free. The word, say the word is the only thing that will set me free. free. Counseling won't set you free. Drugs and alcohol won't set you free. Pretending that the emotions don't exist won't set you free. The only thing that will set you free is the Word of God. He says it has the power to save your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, will, emotions, your intellect, your imagination. He says that, that that's what the Word is designed to do. It is designed to bring you into perfect harmony with the plan of God for your life. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to John 10 and 10. Before you hold your finger on John 10 and 10, but let's go to Romans 12. Now, we've all been there before, so we all know what it says. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are you going to use to change your mind? No, 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 I can't hear you. What are you going to use to change your mind? So then why are you only spending 15 minutes with the word when you got so much mind that need to be changed? He says you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, let's do this. Say neighbor, there's a part that God has to play. But there's a part that you have to play. Now, God was responsible for getting the word. But you're responsible for the work of renewing your mind. You can't get your mind renewed because somebody laid hands on you. You can't get your mind renewed. You can drench yourself in oil. But when you get through, you're going to still be wrong thinking, which agrees itself. You have to use the word to change your thinking. It's the only way to change your thinking about marriage. It's the only way to change your thinking about poverty and sickness. You have got to use the word to change your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Says, I gotta be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So if indeed the, the mind, the word can only, the mind can only be transformed by the word, let's go to John 10 and 10. Let's look at this. We're we'll gonna read this one together. Everybody gotta say amen. Gotta be an active listener when you're listening to the word. You can't be texting nobody trying to get the word. Checking your email. Making fifteen trips to the bathroom. If you use the bathroom that much at work, they fire you. You 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 gotta understand that you have to actively participate in your own rescue. You have to train your flesh to sit. Your flesh don't want to sit. Your flesh probably got 20 things right now it can think of that it can do. But if you get up and go home and do them, you'll end up sitting on the couch all day. Because really your flesh just don't want you to hear the words. You're not that hungry. You're not that sleepy. You're not that tired. That's your flesh staring up saying, get the heck out of here because we don't want to change. So in John 10 and 10, ready? Let's read it. It says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Okay, what's the first thing the thief comes to do? Steal what? Steal the word. He ain't trying to steal your babies. He don't care about your money. The Bible says that he is the God of this world system. What is your $25 going to do? He's trying to steal the word. Why is he trying to steal the word? Because the word is the only thing that can transform your life. So he uses all of these other distractions, but they're just distractions aimed at the word. He only wants your mind because if, if he got your mind, you can't properly process the word. He puts pressure on your finances and on your body so you can't properly process the word. He doesn't want any of that stuff. He wants the word because he gets what we're still trying to get, that the word is the weapon that will save your life. Go to Ephesians 6 and 18. Say, I love the word. See, that's why you got to hear the word so you can start loving the word again. And you say, well, I love the word. Well, you can increase your love for the word. Because how many of you know that if you've been with somebody a long time or this, you had a friend for a long time, you ought to love them more later than you did in the beginning? A- Amen? I mean, you certainly ought to love your wife more after 10 years than you did when you met her. You ought to love your best friend more after 5 years than you did when you met him. You ought to love Jesus more now than you did when you met him. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6 18. 6 17. Well, let me just read. I'm going to start reading at verse 13, but we're going to focus on verse 17. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. What's the time of evil when he's coming to steal the word? Because that's evil whenever he's trying to come get the word. He says now here's what you need to do so that you will be able to resist the enemy when he comes to get the word. He says so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. He says put on the shoes that remind of peace. What's peace? Nothing missing, nothing broken. He says put on the shoes of nothing missing and nothing broken. And he says in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you study that out, you will find that all of those other pieces were designed to protect you. But the word was designed for you to advance against your enemy. He says, take the word of God and advance against the lies that the enemy has told you. He says, the sword of the spirit, it is the word of God. So what are two things you need to know about the word of God? You need to know that the word of God is both the weapon and the seed that contains your harvest. So can you understand why the enemy wants the word so desperately? Because if he can get your weapon, he already got your harvest. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew 13. Are you learning anything this morning? If you're not, shame on you. Hallelujah. Now, Matthew 13, I'm not going to preach this whole message because you've heard me preach this, but basically it's the parable of the sower. And it says, there are some things that happen when the word is sown. It says, first of all, it says in, in one translation, I believe it's Luke. And no, it's Mark 4. In Mark 4, it says this. It's the same story told in, Luke, in Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4. Same story. Say, that's important. He told the same, in three of the four gospels, he told the story of the parable. In one of the parables, in one of the stories I believe is Mark 4, he says if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything else about the kingdom. He says that if you don't get that the whole kingdom is built on the word, he says you won't understand anything else you ever hear in church. Now the problem with that is that you find out in another accounting of it, in Luke he says this, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that you don't understand. He says so if you don't understand that the word is the prize, not the money, not the car, not the husband, not the spouse, if you don't understand that then immediately the enemy will come to steal it. You think your whole life is about getting a husband or a wife, your life is about getting the word so you can preserve it once you get it. He says, And if you don't understand that the enemy, you'll come to church Sunday after Sunday, but you think you come to church trying to get a car. You think you come to church trying to get a job, trying to get a house, trying to get a man, trying to get a woman, trying to get healthy. He said, no, come for the word, because if you get the word, in this, this is what it says in Matthew. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and the things that you desire will be added unto you. But it's the word that produces them. Because if the word doesn't produce it, what you have on your hands is a counterfeit. If the word doesn't produce it, all you have is a counterfeit. He says, all right here. He says, so what you need to understand is that the word, the seed is the word. So I got to plant the word in my heart. And then I got to guard over that word and stop the enemy. And how's the enemy going to come? Because for most of you, the enemy doesn't show up in the middle of the night, stand over your bed and kick you awake and tell you to to give up the word. No, that's not how he approached most of you. And for those of you he approached like that, talk to me after service. I'll tell you what to do about it. But how does he come? It says he comes through a couple of things. Well, let me just read this out of Amplify. It says, he asked, they asked him, they said, why do you use parables to talk to people? In verse 11, New Living Translation, I'm sorry. He says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Who's not? To those who are listening to my teachings, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables and I say they look but they really don't see. What's an example of looking and really don't see? you you looking and you looking for a man but you ought to be looking for the word. you looking for what you want to do with your life, but you ought to be looking for what would please the Lord. He says, you're looking, but you really don't see. You hear, but you really don't understand. And then this fulfills what Isaiah said when he said, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes. He didn't say the devil closed your eyes. He said, they have closed their eyes and they have closed their ears. They they have closed their eyes so they cannot see their ears and cannot hear their hearts and cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Say hallelujah, my eyes see. He says, and blessed are your ears because they hear the truth. Hallelujah. And he says, you hear the truth that many prophets and righteous people long to see, but they didn't see it, and they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And he says, in one in the King James translation, it says this. It says, any time that you decide you want to see. See, sometimes you just got to be honest before we go any further. You don't want to see. You don't want to see that God's way is best because God's way going to mean you got to stop fornicating. You don't want to see that God's way is best, because God's way go mean you have to stop being selfish. You're going to have to stop lying. You're going to have to start tithing and giving and fasting. He said, so anytime that you choose to see, the devils in hell can't stop you from seeing. All you got to do is decide that you want to see, and the moment that you decide you want to see, the Holy Ghost will come and open up your eyes and help you see what you couldn't see before. How do I know James said it like this? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives in liberally and upbraideth not. But Anytime you want to see, you can see. Tell your neighbor, say, if you want to see, just turn the light on. It's like being in your house, walking around in the dark, bumping into all of the furniture when all you had to do was stop and flick the light switch on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I choose to see. See, because really ain't no point in going on no further unless you make a choice to see. Is anybody making a choice to see? You got to make a choice to see in every area of your life. Not the things that right now you already agree with God about. Yeah, you God want to give you a car and you want a car. But what about that attitude that God wants you to get rid of and embrace the fruit of the Spirit? Everybody want to believe God when God say go do something good for Him. Ooh, this is my year, Pastor. That's Sean. This is my year. The Lord said, oh, 9 I'm going to get me a husband. You about one. That, 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 that ain't how God operate. You about one. And then in 2004, he said, you go marry Mike. Mike didn't get it together, so this year is Steve. Next year it's going to be John. Why don't you get the word and let the Lord bring you something? If I read that thing correctly, he said a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But you're so covered with the sin of desperation. He's looking for you, but he can't even find you. Because you're coming to church saying, God, I'm going to be faithful, so you'll give me a husband. God, I'm on the usher birth, so you'll give me a husband. God, I sing on a praise team, so you'll give me a husband. Or a house or a car or whatever your issue is. But you need to go after the word. Because if you don't get the word, you will beg and plead up on that husband. but but you ain't got the word to keep him. You bag up on that car and then you want the church to pay the note. The church didn't promise you the car. The Lord did. Say, I got to love the word. Everybody wants the prize. But what about the character that is built in the word that helps you sustain the prize? I know whenever we start talking about the word, we always end up talking about marriage. Because I, because I'm, really, anybody in here married besides me and Pastor When I know there's a couple of people in here married. All right. Now, how many know marriage is a good thing? Well, how many of you know that there's some days that the Lord don't help you? It could be only popping. You could just be another statistic. You just a little bit away from being, you know, in a bad situation. Amen. So, what good does it do to spend all your time quoting and confessing over a husband when you ain't let God deal with the issues in your life that would cause the marriage to break up, or a wife, or a car, or a job? You want a promotion. You don't do the job you have today well. You slacking on a job. You just a cashier and you ain't doing that well, but you want to manage the whole Walmart store and be the regional director. Come on. I know I'm a pastor. I want to sing the solo. You can't stay in harmony. How you want to sing the solo? Come on. You got to, I'm he'll increase you little by little. Go on somewhere, Rod, now. You gotta love the Word. Now we gotta, this is why it's so important. You need to say, tell your neighbor, say, I need to know the will of God for my own life. Now let me say a couple of things to you. Because in the Old Testament, prophets had to tell the people what to do because they couldn't hear from God. But in the New Testament, prophets are only supposed to confirm what God has already spoke to you. So if I tell you that you're supposed to go to Egypt and you ain't heard that, put that on the shelf and let the Lord speak to you, okay? That's why you ought to be careful of being in services where somebody tell you, you got to sow 137 dollars. The Lord, you got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. He'll tell you what to sow, and you show sure enough ought to be careful of somebody telling you that so and so is your husband. Your wife, they are sure setting you up for failure. And you need to know how to hear the Lord for yourself. And see, that's why you got to know the plan of God for your life and not be running around here saying, I'm going to use marriage cause that's an example. We're going to the 2009 is going to be your season. Because if you believe 2009 is your season to get married and you done set that in stone, then now what happens is, is that every vulture in the world who sees that sin of desperation on you, walking up in time, mm, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I see something about you. I, I, I believe that the Lord said that you was my... Come on. But you're so desperate. And you ain't rooted and established in the word enough. That he's up there smoking a joint talking about he believed the Lord said y'all belong together. Or he come to church every Sunday, but every time he gets you out of church, he trying to have sex with you and you believe that's God. Trying to get me not to listen to the man and woman of God that's been put over my life. No, you a devil trying to get me off by myself so you can destroy me. Now, whoever you are, can you please deal with this so we don't have to keep talking about this? Whoever you are. But you need to know the will of God for your own life. Why? Because you cannot take the word of God and make it fit into what you want to do. Let's go to Isaiah 55. And if you're not careful, if you don't get rooted and grounded in the word, you'll start trying to use the word to be a manipulator. And the Bible says that manipulation is as witchcraft. So when you start trying to use the word to manipulate people in situations, then not, not, no, you're not trying to use the word to get done what God won't done. You're trying to get the word to get done what you want done. He said, now we got a problem with that because now you're a manipulator. And that's exactly what Satan did to Jesus when he said, if you be the son of man, cast yourself down. He used the word, but he was using trying to manipulate. But when you don't know that God's plan is better than yours, you will try to use the word to manipulate a situation. The Lord told you he did you get a car. All right. Let's just a car practical. Did the Lord tell you go get a car today? I know you want a car, but did the Lord tell you to go get a Benz today? Or did he tell you to go to the Hyundai dealership? I don't want I'm a King's kid. I don't drive no Hyundai. Okay, so is it better to drive a Hyundai for 5 years or that Benz for 1 month until they come pick it up? Now you gotta be able to hear the Lord. You gotta say, I gotta know the plan of God for my life. Why? Because you can have two people who are in two similar situations, but God gives them very different instructions. Just because Sister Watermelon believing for a car and God tell her to go finance don't mean that's what God intended for you to do. But if you don't hear the word, you'll be over there trying to use the word and say, well, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he'll do for the other. But he says that he will do what he did for the other based on obedience. So if she went to apply for credit and God told her to, she being obedient. I gotta know the word of God for my own. I gotta know the word of God. You gotta know the word of God to even properly discern the will of God. Because if you don't know the word of God, you don't even know how God talk when he talk. So that's why you're saying, well, was this God? Was this me? Or was this the devil? You don't know enough words yet. Because as you know more word, then you and God sound alike. Somebody didn't hear me. When you know when the word get planted in your heart, you, it ain't three now that you're trying to figure out. You and God sound the same. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55. I'm going to read it out of New Living Translation. We've heard this scripture um, a bunch of times out of the King James. But you got to know the will of God for your life. And you, the only way you can do that is if you love the word. All right. Verse eight says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, said the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want. It will prosper where I send it. Is that not what it says? He says, I send the word out. He said, and the word will prosper where I send it. Not where you send it. He said, because in Psalms 139, it says that he wove you together like tapestry. So he understand more about you than you understand about yourself. So you're trying to go left, but he's trying to get you to go right. Well, the blessing ain't over on the left. The blessing is over on the right. Now, praise the Lord in Ephesians, it tells us that there are many paths. So that when we get off, he can get us back on. But when we love the word, we won't want to get off. Because at some point you gotta decide what God is planning for me is so much better than anything I'm planning for myself. I would rather stand and believe God for a car and keep it when I get it than rush this thing and use the word and end up with a lemon or getting it repossessed. I would rather be by myself for three or four more years, five or six more years. Seven or eight more years, I would rather be by myself and be happy than to pray some devil up in my life and be trying to ask pastor them if there's something they can do about it. Can you give me a legitimate reason to get divorced? I would rather live in my apartment and be able to pay for it and not be stressed out than to jump out there and try to get a 4,000 square foot house making $13,000 a year trying to impress and call it prosperity. I would rather allow God to deal with the anger and the selfishness and the offense in my heart now so it doesn't destroy me later. I would rather do it God's way because God has promised when I do it his way, I will get victory. But my way will always, always, always produce defeat. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. He said his word always produces. How do we know? Go to Jeremiah 1. See, you ought to be getting stared up and getting excited right now. You don't have to try to come up with your own plan to navigate through the recession. Honey, let me tell you something. God already got a plan to navigate you out. It's called seed, time, and harvest. Whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. When you give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Promotion comes not from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Lord just said to me as I was standing there, we was, talking, we was talking about marriage. He said, tell them. This is for the women who are believing for husbands. You look around and you say, there's not a man. I don't see a man that meets my criteria. Rebecca was handling her business when Abraham sent his servant back into a far country in order to get her. Don't you fool yourself why God needs you on singlechristian.com trying to find somebody. We got 36 points to hook you up at. Don't you know anybody can get on there and put some information in and be anybody? You don't know you ain't talking to me on there. And you're not talking to me, but you don't know that you're not. You know, who are you talking to? You, can, can we just make this confession for everybody who believe in God to be married? Say, the Lord is well able to provide your spouse. And he knows exactly when where and how so why don't you just get about the word word. hallelujah jeremiah 1 and 12 you got it come on come on let's go you ain't tired yet it was some movie Pastor, and what was that movie that you was talking about going to see the one you said oh the one i wanted to see until you told me how long it was Watchmen got to wait till it come out on video. I won't get them two hours and 45 minutes all in one setting. Just won't do it. I will give it to the word though. And that's how you got to get to the point. You ought to get so filled up with the word. This is how your life ought to be. This is how you know when it's working for you, when the word's working Because when you really get full of the word you will hear the word and then go get, get to your car and put the same CD in and start listening to the word again. Because you get that it's the only thing that can change your life. You don't start with, let me tell you, when you know that your love for the word is dying, when you start hearing something, you go, oh, I done heard that before. Now it means it's time to stir yourself up again. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 and 12. You got it? You got it? Come on, let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The amplifier says, You have seen well, for I am active and alert, watching over my word to perform it. So that's how you know that God's word is going to perform, where he sent it to perform. Because he said, I myself am watching over my word to perform it. Somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Hebrews 11. You already know where we're going. Hebrews 11. Anybody staring themselves up? Hallelujah. Hebrews eleven and one, New Living Translation. It says, "Faith is the confidence that we that what we hope for will actually happen." That's all faith is. Faith is confidence. Tell your neighbor, say, "Faith is confidence." Well, 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 how do you get confidence in somebody? I, I can't hear you. How do you get confidence with somebody? That's right. Sister Sandra, she make the best greens I've ever tasted in my life. I am assured of the fact that when she tell me after church, I got greens in my house, she ain't playing The other week, she told me she had greens at her house for me. And when they asked me what I wanted to eat, I said, nothing, because I already got food at the center house. Now, that's how you need to be about the word of the Lord. I didn't say, when y'all go to Zaxby's, bring me some back, just in case she didn't come through. I said, nope, she said she got greens. And then, oh, Lord, that's so good. She had greens. No, no, she had greens, but the Bible says he dispatches angels to to minister his word of salvation. So I called out to the house and said, now, who is down there that can bring the greens to me? And she said, An see, you don't understand. When you believe and you receive the word, the ministering angels start going out before you to bring you the thing that you're believing for. But you gotta have confidence. Say, I gotta have confidence. Hallelujah. Now Hebrews 11 and 6, it says this. And it is impossible to please God without confidence. It's impossible to believe God without confidence for they that come to Him, for anyone that comes to Him must believe that God exists and He rewards them that diligently seek Him. What is confidence? Confidence is full trust. He said, without full trust in who God is, it is impossible to please Him. So when God tells you that He's going to do... Okay, everybody in here accepted Jesus Christ and believed He's your personal Savior. In order for that to even work in your life, you got to have full confidence in it. Or you'd still be running around trying to get saved every time there was a salvation call. If you didn't fully believe... Anybody, when they first got saved, thought you had to get saved a bunch of times? So every time they had the altar call, you got saved again. Anybody be answering me, I got saved a bunch of times because I didn't get that when you got saved one time, it was forever. But now if you're fully persuaded that you saved, when they call the altar call, you're not trying to go up there and get saved again because you believe you've already received. You've got to get so persuaded about every promise that God makes in his word that that's how you are. You're like, I may not see it yet, but I believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and put their confidence in him. Amen. Now just go back up to Hebrews 10. Glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10 and 35. It says, so do not throw this confident... Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Now, we talked about how the enemy comes to get the word. He says, don't allow the enemy to come and steal the word and cause you to throw down your trust. Look at what he's saying. He's saying that if you have a confident trust, the enemy can't take it from you. He has to persuade you to throw it down. He says, cast not away your confidence. Why? Because it has recompense of great reward. He says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. Go to Romans 4. Why we need so much word? Got so much doubt. Got so many weapons coming against you. So you need words so you can overcome. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, not our word, the word, his word. That's how we overcome. That's how we come out. That's how we break through. Hallelujah. Romans 4. Verse 16, it says, so the promises received by faith, it is given as a free gift. He says, so the promises of God, they are free gifts, but they are accessed by faith. So basically, your faith is like your ATM card and your pin code. He said, your your pin code, it allows you to access what has already been deposited. Amen. He says, so your faith allows you to access what has already been deposited for you. So let me help you. When you need a car, a job, food, house, healing, you're not trying to convince God to deposit it in your account. It's already deposited. Tell your neighbor, say, it's already there. there. But you need the right code in order to access it. And the code isn't fear and doubt in your own plan. The code is confidence that when you put it in there and you ask, thy will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven, that you believe that you receive. First John said it this way. It says, and this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if he hears us, he gives us what we ask for. Now, let me just have, let's make this real simple. If he only responds... To what his will is. Why in the world will we spend our time. Asking for stuff he don't want us to have. If you are guaranteed. That when you ask for what he wants you to have. That you will get it. Why in the world. Would you spend your time asking for that. That he don't want you to have. Say law. This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if he hears us, he answers us and grants us what we ask. Well, doesn't it make more sense to spend our time trying to get on page with him than trying to get him on page with us? Makes sense to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we are living according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Hallelujah. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. My God, somebody ought to get excited right there. He said, the God that we believe in brings the dead back to life and he creates something out of nothing. Hallelujah. And it says, even when there was no reason to hope, man, will somebody grab hold of Abraham's faith? He said, even when there, in, in one translation it says, he hoped against hope. Now, hope is the belief that something good will take place. He said, when there was no more belief that anything good could take place, he kept on believing what God said. That is what confident trust looks like. Hallelujah. My God, today, come on and think about that for a minute. He says, look here. He says, Abraham. He says that Abraham is the father of all who believe. Anybody in here believe? He says that if Abraham is your father, then you have the ability to believe just like Abraham did. Well, Abraham was the type of believer who hoped hope against hope when it looked like it wasn't no way. The Bible says that when he was dead, he had no more sperm count. Sarah had no more eggs that could come together. He said they kept believing that they would have a seed and they were fully persuaded. In one translation, it said he did not waver. He kept on believing. Even when people said he was crazy and it would not go work out, he kept saying, I know what God said. I believe that I'll see what God said. And the Bible said, because he did not waver, that one night he went into Sarah, and Sarah conceived a son, and they called him Isaac, which meant laughter. If you'll hold on to the word, you'll get to laugh. People may be laughing at you now, they may think you're crazy now, they may think it don't make sense now, but if you hold on to the word, you'll get to laugh. If you hold on to the word, if you don't cave in, if you don't quit, if you'll have the faith of Abraham, How did Abraham get that kind of faith? He kept rehearsing who his God was. He kept rehearsing who his God was. He didn't keep looking at his credit score, his resume. Because that would have disqualified him. He kept on believing and rehearsing who his God was. Well, let's just look and see who our God is. Amen. Take a few more scriptures. Let's go to Numbers 23. Numbers 23 and 19. Say, I love the word. Glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah. See, you ought to be getting stared up. You ought to be sitting there thinking right now, Lord, I make a decision to change. I grab back every promise that you promised me. I will not let go of the word that you promised me. You are faithful to watch over your word to perform it. Hallelujah. You are watching over your word. And that word has been planted like a seed in my heart and I will use the sword of that very word to keep the enemy from stealing it with me. I won't be distracted by life. I won't be distracted because it do not How many of you have been believing for something and it didn't happen as quick as you want it to happen? But it happened. That's why I said cast out away your confidence. Because it has great reward. Hallelujah. Some, I mean, numbers 23 and 19. Come on, stir yourself up. Ready. Read it. Hallelujah. What? In my translation, it said, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. See, I'm trying to teach y'all how to read the Bible. You don't read it like this. God is not a man, and he should not lie. He is, ain't nothing enthusiastic coming out of that. You ran like, man, God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. He never made a promise and then changed his mind. Never said he was going to do something and failed to come through. You don't believe me? Go on over there to Psalms 89. Hallelujah. Psalms 89. Come on, we got to flip quick because I got to get through, but I got to show you a couple more scriptures. Psalms 89. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm glad y'all love the word. 33 and 34. I'm going to have y'all read out of y'all translation. I'm going to read out of mine. Ready? You read. translation says but I will never stop loving him nor fail to keep my promise to him nor I will not break no I will not break my covenant I will not take back a single word I said I have sworn an oath to David and in my holiness I cannot lie so I won't do it because it's you I'll do it because I promise that anybody who will believe me I do it for Hallelujah. hallelujah Joshua 21 shout out love the word When you find yourself getting discouraged and wondering what's going to happen, you need to pull these scriptures out and look up all the scriptures that tell you that you can trust God. Tell your neighbor, say, he's faithful. And I'm expecting him to be faithful to his word. Hallelujah. How important is God's word? The Bible says this, that God himself exalted his word above his name. He said, my name don't mean nothing if my word don't mean nothing. Hallelujah. Psalms 21. Joshua 21, my bad, my bad, my bad. 43 through 45. Ready? Read. translation says so the lord gave to israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors and they took possession of it and settled there that tells me that you're not going to be moved in your prosperity they settled there. It says, and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Now, why should you be so excited? Because who is Israel? Israel came out of Abraham. But the tells us that we are the seed of Abraham so if God was faithful to Israel then God is faithful to us hallelujah 1st Kings 8 and 56 see you didn't even know all this stuff was in the Bible that could keep you from being depressed cause how in the world can you be depressed and frustrated reading about how good your God is You can't be. This is how you do warfare. You don't tell God how big your problem is. You tell your problem how big your God is. Then let me say, you ain't got no money. You say, you think I'm the only person that's been faithful to God that didn't have no money? Let me open up my Bible and show you how many times God came through for somebody who didn't have no money. No, no, no. Don't leave, Mr. Devil. You wanted to have this conversation. Stay on here. And let me talk to you about the woman who was about to take her meal and eat her last meal. But the Bible says that when the, he sent the prophet that she gave, that it kept on coming back. And not only did she have enough that she could live, but she fed the prophet and her son every day for the span of three years. You really want to have this conversation? let's talk about when Jesus was in the wilderness and there were 5,000 people who did not have any food to eat and all they had was two fish and some loaves of bread and he took it and he lifted it up to heaven and he broke it and he gave it out to everybody and when he got through he had 12 men. no devil don't leave you wanted to have this conversation let me tell you about my God sit there and look at your checkbook crying open up your mouth and say something you're not a victim of life circumstances. You are victorious. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in every situation, making us a sweet smelling savor of His knowledge throughout the old earth. Ooh. First Kings eight and fifty six. Say, I love the word. First Kings eight and fifty six. Ready? Blessed be the Lord that has given rest to his people in putting to all which he promised. There has not been one word of all of his promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Hallelujah. Go to Psalms 147, verse 15. Lord have mercy, I love the word. The word has the power to change whatever situation you're going through. Tired of being depressed? Get the word. Tired of being broke? Go after the word. Tired of being sick and tired? Go after the word. Tired of wondering where your next paycheck going come from? Go after the word. You got sickness in your body. Go after the word. Your marriage almost headed to divorce court. Go after the word. It has the power to change what is ever going on in your life. But you got to go after the word the way you would go after chemo if they told you that you had cancer. Because if they told you that you needed chemo five days a week, you'd go. Even though it make you sick, you'd go because you believe it can heal you. But how many of you know the word of God can heal you and it won't make you sick? It'll cause whatever sickness and disease is in your body to leave. He they say, go after the word. Psalms 147 verse 15. Ooh, that's good. Ready? Read it. you better shut up do that sound like suddenly he said his word run very swiftly that's why in Habakkuk he said write the vision and make it plain throw it terror. keep on expecting it. it's just surely come to pass maybe you didn't get out of debt last year but this year ain't over with yet maybe it didn't happen last year but it ain't over yet if you'll just keep believing what the Lord is saying hallelujah here's the reality You can come and you can say, you know what, it really don't take all that. It don't take that much word. I can spend all the rest of my life doing something else. I can give God a little bit of my time on Sunday and I can give God a little bit of my time on Wednesday. And you can do that and you know what's going to happen? You'll have a little bit of his blessing running on in your life. And if a little bit is good enough for you, then take that. But as for me, I want it all. I want every promise that he said that he made to me, which means I gotta discipline myself to hear the word. I gotta discipline myself to believe the word. I gotta be like Abraham, even when it looks like it's not working, I gotta be fully persuaded that God is faithful to watch over his word. Hallelujah. (sighs) I got two more. Say God is faithful. I just need, because this is how I fake. I just need, I don't need everybody, but just five people who convinced that God is faithful to just stand up and give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Are through sitting back acting like God's word don't work and being passive about it. His word is powerful and it is changing our lives. And every one of us is standing here right now as a testimony of how His word has worked on the inside of us. And sometimes you got to stir yourself up and shake that dust off yourself and say, I believe God. I be- say, I believe God. Come on, say it again. Say, I believe God. I believe God. I don't care what you say. I believe God. What you ought to be thinking is this. You know what, devil? You should have tried to trick me out of this before I saw God work. Anybody in here, is it anybody in here that just got one thing that you know God did for you? You know he made a way. You know he brought you out. Then why in the world can you sit down on the word and not believe it's true? If he saves you, he'll heal you. If he saves you, he'll pay your bills. He is faithful. and I'm telling you i will been trying to preach to y'all all cool and stuff, not sweat my hair out. But if you need that in order to stir yourself up, I'll help you do it. But you better learn how to do it at your house. Because I'm not coming to y'all house every morning staring y'all up. You got to learn how to read this word and stir yourself up. Lord, have mercy. Second Corinthians 1 and 20, you ain't need to sit down, stand up. I've been standing up the whole time. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. I got that from you, baby. Say, I love the word. Love the word. And we got this friend. We love her very dearly. But she say everything is a spirit. We love it. And we love talking to her. Because she gonna always tell us something new is a spirit that we didn't know. One of our favorites one is the spirit of stupid. Which really is a spirit, if you think about it. You know, spirit is stupid. Is a spirit, don't you? Do pass down right? They run in families. You ever just see the line of family? They whole family is stupid. Just everything they do is stupid. It's a spirit on them. I'm trying to think of the right way to, t- to say it to to the spirit that we that you we driving out your life today. Um. No, 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 no! I, I, it's another word that keep coming to mind. Can, can I just tell you this? It just can't be no punks in the family, of God. Every time it's a fight, you running. To me, it don't sound as right. People don't understand ever. Quit being a crybaby. Yeah. Quit being a crybaby. Quit caving in and quitting. Oh, the devil puts dirt on my shoe. I'm going in the house. Take them shoes off and whoop the devil tail with the word. Quit being so scary. Come on, let's just think about this. The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. Conquering indicates fighting. So if you don't like to fight, you're in the wrong family. And I don't just mean this church. Any church you go to that's teaching you the word, you're going to have to learn how to fight. Now, I'm telling you, if you ain't never had to fight in your life, you was in the right church, baby. You in the right church if you ain't never had to fight. Because we got some scrappers in here and we'll guard you till you can scrap for yourself. But at some point, you got to learn how to fight for yourself. You got to learn how to use this word as a weapon. Instead of you running for the devil, the devil ought to be running from you. Oh, they stressing me out on my job I bet they ain't going to stress me out on my job I pray every one of you jokers up out of here you'll get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost so you'll leave here if God called me to be here I'm not leaving my job because you crazy you going to leave a change and you ain't going to be stressing me out every day either if I'm married to you and you ain't living right you ain't going to be coming up in my house drinking and smoking and vexing me you're going to do that mess outside because you come up in here the Holy Ghost go arrest your tail you lay down and go to sleep I douse you with so much oil Thank you a chicken when I get through with you. Your attitude need to be like this. Now look here. You need to be like, look, I sit on this side of church. Ain't nobody coming up and sitting on my side of church who don't want to praise God. And then you ought to be saying, ain't nobody coming over here who don't want to praise God. Ain't nobody coming to the back who don't want to praise. If you don't want to praise God and believe the word, you go change or change. Because you can't afford to leave. You need to stay and get changed. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. Hallelujah. What does it say? For some of the promises of God. For a few of the promises of God. Most of them. The majority of them. How many? Oh. So that means every promise that's written in this book plus everything he spoke to you. It says they are all yes and it's done. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Their yes is in Christ. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Got to get you some. My grandma used to call it some gumption. Some Gumption. Y'all know what that is? I was like, You can get you some something you to just don't lay down and die." for all of the God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen ascends to God for his glory. So when the Lord, when I say somebody go get blessed today, and you say amen, it says that that ascends to God so that he can get the glory, so that he can do what he wanted to do anyway, which was to bless you. Now you know it just ain't no way in the world that I'm gonna preach, y'all sit down, about the, um, about the faithfulness of God and not go to Hebrews 6 and 18. You just know it ain't no way. It just it just ain't no way. You, 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 can't even, you can't even preach about the faithfulness of God and not go to Hebrews 6 and 18. Hallelujah. My Lord today, say I'm being changed. You understand, you sitting here, this investment that you're making in your life, this is greater than a movie. This is greater than a television show. I'm telling you, and you get to listen to this word, you need to go back to some of these things you used to be, used to do, but you aren't doing anymore. You need to be listening to the word when you sleep. You need to be listening to the word when you're driving. You don't understand that, but when you're sleeping, that word is going into your subconscious and you mess around and get in a crisis and don't think you know a word and a word start coming out your mouth. You'll be like, how in the world do I know that? Because it went into your subconscious when you were sleeping. Just like music. Mess around and go to sleep with B.E.T. on. Lord, have mercy. Right. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Hebrews 6 and 18. Hallelujah. Verse 10. It says, for God is not unrighteous. My Lord, today. To forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. Now understand, there he's not talking about your work. He's talking about what has been produced as a result of your faith. So not because you're on the usher board, because if you just on the usher board because you don't want people to be not to be to be looking at you and think you really love the Lord, you that that ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about when you do what you do as a result of your confidence in the Lord. He says that he is not unrighteous to forget that. He said he will not forget your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, I really want to talk to people who serve in ministry right here. And if you're not serving in ministry, you ought to be serving in ministry because he just said he is not unfaithful to forget what you do in his name to minister to the saints. He said he is not unrighteous that he would forget that you give and give up yourself to minister to the saints. And then he says that we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. That you be not slothful. The amplifier says that you do not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. That you do not become disinterested in the word and become a spiritual sluggard, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith. By the leaning of their entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and by the practice of patience. Tell your neighbor, say, you gotta be patient. You gotta have some endurance. The Bible says the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but to the one that endures. The thing that I say all the time is that Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You got to learn endurance. I don't know why sometimes you believe for things and they seem like they happen instantaneously. Other things you believe for, it take a little while longer. But the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the working of your faith produces Consistency. He says so. Every time your faith is tried, it is God. It is God trying to produce consistency on the inside of you. Why do you need to be consistent so that you're not moved, tossed and turned? The Bible says by every wind and doctrine, every bad and evil report. But you learn how to stand faithfully on what God said. You, if God tells you you're gonna get it for twelve thousand dollars, don't give them fifteen, even if that means you gotta walk away. You gotta learn how to be consistent and faithful to what it is that God said. If God said you're going to get the promotion and they give the job to somebody else, don't come back and go, I lost my job. No, you didn't. If God said it's your job, it's your job. It may take a little time to get to you, but if you'll be faithful and consistent, you will see what God promised. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 And then he says, this is my favorite part of the story. I love this. I'm just going to read. He says, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For, verily, for men barely swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. Wherein God more abundant, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which entereth into us within the veil, whether the forerunner is Forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right. Here we go. He says, look here. He says, God is not unrighteous that he would forget the sacrifice that you made for him. He says, and what I need you to do is to realize that even though it may take time for the, it is seed time and harvest, even though it may may take time, don't give up on the promise that God made you. How many of you can honestly say some things that God made, promises God made you and you just gave up on them. You just kind of put them to the back burner. You kept them out of your life. He said, don't be like those people who give up on the promise, but instead come use your faith to produce endurance in your life so that you may See the promise. It says, Now look at Abraham. Abraham was just like you. He was in a situation where the Lord came to him and he said, Abraham, I want to be good to you. Abraham, I want to bless you. Abraham, I want to make you the father of many nations. He says that when he says this to Abraham, Abraham doesn't have any children. If you go back and read it, what he says is, he says, Is what are you gonna do it through my servant? He says, No, out of your own body, from your own seed, you're gonna have a son. And Abraham had to make a choice whether he was going to believe God or not believe God. Well Romans already told you not only did he not did he choose to believe God but he chose not to ever waver no matter what was going on around him. Somebody says well what about Ishmael? When he got Ishmael he was believing God. It's the only reason he even went into her because he was believing God. He had lived all that time and never touched one of his concubines. He didn't touch her until he was believing God. But but God still counted that for righteousness because even though abraham made a mistake he made a mistake following after god he was trying to do what he thought god wanted him to do and god said i don't count that as failure i still see as though you never wavered, because the only reason you did it is because you was believing me he says so now he and abraham are having a face-to-face encounter like every believer has to have with god god says i want to do this for you I called you to preach the gospel. I want you to be a doctor. I called you to be a mother. I want you to be a father. And every one of us has the same place where Abraham was where we have to choose what it is. Are we going to believe God? Or are we going to believe in what God is saying is so far beyond what we can see? And most of the time when God gives you a dream, it's so much bigger than what you can conceive. Because you're looking at where you are right now. You don't have a clue how God going to take that jacked up marriage and make you like each other. You ain't got a clue how you going like your kids. You don't have a clue how you going get to the point that you're making $60,000 when you're only making twenty today. You don't have a clue. But he gives you a dream and he gives you a vision because he wants you to take a journey with him. But just like Abraham, you get to choose. Am I going to take this journey that's going to be an adventure of faith, or am I going to stay in this mediocre, safe, boring life? He he said to Abraham, he says, look here, Abraham. He said, I want to do something with you. He said, but the first thing you got to do, you got to get away from them small thinking people. He said, get thee from among thy kindred from a man on our land and go to a place that I'll show you. That's the same thing that God is saying to you. He, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of what you used to. Let me go to a place that I created for you. He said, let me take you to a place where there are no limits. God, Abraham says to God, he says, God, how can I know? Now, you got to understand that this is way more difficult for Abraham than it is for you. Because Abraham lived in a society where they worship many gods. And now God is coming to him. If you grow up in America, even if you don't worship God, you get that there's a God. That's how you can be an atheist. You would have to be denying that he exists. You get that. But Abraham Abraham lives in a time where there's a God of the moon and the water and a God of sex and fertility and a God of this and a God of that.